This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Steve, how's it going, brother? It's Halloween. I'm jacked up on candy already, and it's just past noon. Awesome. <laughs> uh, can we say your daughter's name on on the podcast? Is that cool, or is that not? Yeah, sure. Okay. What? So Kaylee? So she is she she's dressing up as Tom Cruise? No, she's dressing up as Maverick, which is better. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah, she's not dressing up as Tom Cruise. That's just weird. You sent me that around picture, dude, and it was—I was just like, "Oh my goodness, that is so cool!" That yeah, is, yeah. Maverick, and, she's got got the flight suit and the shades, and it's it's going to be a good time. As you know, she's she loves airplanes, so <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, really cool. Uh, yeah, hard to believe, a eh? October thirty first. So, and landmark for us, episode fifty. Man, how how did that happen? Seriously, oh, how did God. that happen? It it started as a conversation. Hey, we should probably think about doing a podcast and see how it goes. And well, holy shit, here we are, fifty. Yeah, so number fifty. Very, you know, this, these are a lot of fun for me. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoy the the face to face, and when there's so many great guests out there. And what one of our uh, members, Trevor Carter, said, "Dude, you you guys are pumping these out pretty quick. Like, how the hell?" are you ever going to keep up and how are you going to get interesting guests? And I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface. There's so many interesting people out there to talk to and mm-hmm. so many cool subjects and just, uh, and it, we're seeing, you know, people seem to be responding that our numbers keep growing every, you know, seems like daily we have more listeners and yeah, it's just a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Oh yeah. It's, it, it, it's another Avenue, right? As, as we know, uh, some, sometimes when you're in the back country, you get stranded with no, no books, no signal, and you download a podcast, right? A couple hours with a with a bunch of different podcasts, and this is just another option that people can take into the bush and talk about conservation and listen and laugh at us, whatever they want to do, as long as they're listening, right? I'm sure there's a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess for our listeners, anyone that's uh, got any thoughts on who they'd like to see, we we call out once in a while for people you want mm-hmm. to see, and we try and get people on that we can. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, and, uh, but yeah, if you have any ideas on who you'd like to see on the show, um, communications at wildsheepsociety.com, send us an email, just give us a list. And, uh, you know, I can tell you every single email we receive with guest names, we put them down and we try and get them on the show. And, you know, it's this time of year is brutal because a lot of people are in the hunting community and they're, they're bloody well busy. They're out in the field chasing animals around. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of names that have come up that there, you know, it was, there was no chance this fall, but this winter, I'm sure we'll have some opportunity. So, no, definitely, definitely. And, uh, I've, I've reached out to a couple people, as you know, that, uh, are, are trying to fit us into their schedule and some pretty big names that, uh, are on the docket if we can make them work. And it, yeah, it's exciting just to, to watch and listen to us grow. For sure. Okay, so episode 50, we've got Ian Baird on. Ian is the treasurer from Abbotsford Fishing Game. Um, we've partnered with uh, Abbotsford Fishing Game and Wild Sheep Society BC um, on our Fraser River project and also a Tottigan, uh Mountain project. Um, they've put $20,000 towards our projects, this, these two projects. We're going to match them, and what we're doing is looking for a member match. You'll hear us talk about, it, about that on the show. Uh, but basically, every dollar that you put in is going to be three dollars on the mountain. So you put a hundred bucks towards uh, wild sheep conservation; it's going to turn into three hundred bucks. Uh, this is a great opportunity to get involved for those that are monarch members. Um, it's an opportunity to get monarch um, recognition for this as well. 
So if you want to contribute, this is a great time to do it. Um, it's going to make a big difference for those Fraser River sheep, which we're going to talk about on this podcast. And, uh, you know, it's something I'm really excited about. And I think an, another opportunity to make a dif- big difference. Oh, partnerships make the world go round. And we see it every single day when it comes to wildlife. And, uh, yeah, turning one buck into three bucks. <laughs> see what I did there? That's a great thing, right? We're, we're never, uh, never going to lose when that kind of partnership happens. For sure. Uh, just a quick reminder, Wild Sheep Raffles are on sale now. Um, we've, they're actually selling quite quickly. Um, we've typically sold them out uh, every year. We don't expect any difference this year. So if you're thinking about buying some tickets for a um, desert sheep hunt or maybe an outad hunt down in Texas or um, you want to stick closer to home and go hunt the grizzly bear in the Yukon, uh, great. We got our best lineup this year, so check that out. It's on our website, obviously. And then uh, Sheep Show. So Sheep Show is a go. Um, second week of January. Tickets are on sale now for the event. It's going to be a great year this year down in Reno. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Really, it was a great time when I first went there a couple of years ago. And yeah, it's it's a great time. It's just the atmosphere. Uh, the, the amount of just the tension in the room in a good way. You walk in and you can feel that something for good for con- conservation is going to happen. And it, it, it does just the people just sticking their hands up and buying raffle tickets and throwing their money at putting wild sheep on the mountain. And just the camaraderie, right? There's just so many uh, friendly faces and a lot of BCers. You get down there and it's a lot of people, oh, yeah. that, uh, you know, in, in our conservation community. So uh, one of my favorite things that I, I go to, I just have a great time and I can't wait. So uh, two months away. Yeah, awesome. exactly. Like when I was there I was sitting at the table and you know, like there's people come up and tap me on the shoulder and I'm like, Holy shit. I, I didn't expect to see you here and you just, yeah, people come from all around to, to get together and, and, uh, support wild sheep. Right on. All right. So we're going to head off to episode number 50, Ian Baird, Abbotsford Fish and Game. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to Talk is Sheep. If you looked up the words conservation superhero in the dictionary, you would see a picture of our friend Omer from Precision Optics, a tireless donor and supporter of all things wild sheep. Precision Optics, located in Quinell, British Columbia, truly stands alone in the high alpine. From optics to rifles to outdoor gear and a knowledge that cannot be surpassed, toss in that killer smile and you have a total conservation package. Precision Optics, we are truly thankful for the support you show us every step of the way. Find them online at precisionoptics.net or in Aroma Foods, located just off Highway 97 in Quinell, B. Dr. Ian Baird, welcome to Talk is Sheep. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to uh, hang out and chat today. Cool. So, okay, so let's talk about the doctor thing first. So, sent you an invite and you're like, okay, I'm really excited about the show, um, but my wife should, said you should introduce me as doctor. So, let's talk about you, your doctor. Well, my wife figures that, you know, I, I, I went for... Uh, I'm kind of a humble guy and went went to university for a long time and uh she's like you need to tell him you're a doctor so it just <laughs> it just means you know I got a PhD which means pilot high and deep right <laughs> so no I uh, I went to UBC I uh, did my undergrad bachelor of science in chemistry and did my PhD in chemistry and then when I came out of uh university worked in the pharmaceutical industry for about 9 years doing uh drug design for anti-HIV, anti-cancer, stem cell mobilization research. So spent 9 years doing that and then if you can believe it I trans transformed my career into uh construction. Nice. Uh through a long story that we don't need to get into, but now uh now I uh I run a construction company in Langley. And I've been doing that for a few years now. And uh, the, the nice thing is it gives me the flexibility to get get away and do some hunting and, you know, do some wild ventures and wild places, which is really where my passion lies. Well, and your conservation footprint is, uh, is cast a long shadow. There's no question about it. You're a member of the Wild Sheep Society BC. You support a ton of organizations uh, in the province. Uh, treasurer for Abbotsford Fish and Game Club. Um, and I think it was, well, there's no question. It's kind of your vision of, uh, you know, partnering with Wild Sheep Society BC on, uh, on some of our conservation work, which we're going to jump into a bit, but, uh, just hats off to you, Ian, for what you do for, for conservation. And, uh, you know, we're really proud as a society to have you as a life member. And, uh, 
and really excited about uh, working together with Abbotsford Fish and Game and um, and the work that we're going to do for conservation for uh, wild sheep and all wildlife within the province. It's really, really exciting. Well, and I think, like, you know, I was t- talking to you guys off air before. It's, you know, I've been, I've been a member of uh, the Abbotsford Fish and Game Club since I was in third year university back in 1993. So that's 28 years now. Uh, if you can believe it, I used to sneak my gun into the uh, residence at UBC because I go hunt with my father-in-law in the fall, come over from the island, and they have to sneak it out so that I could go hunting in October and sneak away. But and then you know, uh, first thing I joined at the Rod and Gun Club there was the uh, the trap club. Got into some trap shooting and stuff, and then through that, that was kind of my introduction. And you know, the one thing that I am is when I'm passionate about something and and uh, you know, I commit to something, I go all in. So, um, you know, now been with the club for 28 years. I've been treasurer on and off for probably 20 years. I've uh, been on the executive there and about five years has voted in as a life member. So we've been incorporated since 1947. And I think we only have 33 life members or something. So that was a real honor to be uh to be voted in by, by the club, uh, for that. And, um, I continue to be involved in a whole bunch of different things with the club. We used to have 250 members, uh, back when I first started and, you know, probably an annual annual budget of $40,000 and one, one range. And now we have six ranges. We have over 4,000 members and we have an annual budget of around three quarters of a million dollars. So, you know, myself and our president, Rob Ng, who's also another life member, uh, Mark Porter, who is one of our past presidents. He's also on my Fish and Wildlife Conservation Committee. Like a lot of these guys have just had a vision over the years of of growing the club, uh, making it, you know, to help support uh, shooting sports and, and wildlife conservation. And, and we're kind of now at a point where um, we're in a financial position to really uh, – you know, put our money where our mouth is. And when we say that, you know, we are a fish and game club, that we are um, actively uh, looking at putting putting animals back on the mountains. Um, you know, it's been very frustrating for me over the past probably 10 years going out to the same spots that I used to hunt 10 years ago, seeing all kinds of animals and now uh, not seeing many. And, uh, you know, it's we've probably created most of our problems. Uh, by changing the landscape and now it's it's up to us to uh try and help fix that good on you man then you know it's amazing when i see yeah I, i'm really proud of what we do as a society wild sheep society bc and um you know sometimes you get a little myopic and you think oh you know you're you're the only one that cares about wildlife or you're only the one the only one doing stuff for wildlife which is absolute absolutely not true we know that for sure and, uh, you know, it's really inspiring when we uh, work with other groups and, uh, you know, I love this aspect of it, of the collaboration aspect, right? And there are, you know, the, there's literally hundreds of organizations in British Columbia out doing great things for wildlife. And, uh, you know, like I said, to get a little self-reflective uh, being in our bubble here. And, um, and then, you know, you step out and you take a look around what everyone's doing for, for wildlife. And, and there's some you know, giants out there doing some great work. And, and to me, Abbotsford is right at the top of the heap. You know, you guys are um, really concerned. Um, you know, you're in the lower mainland uh, and, you know, oh, what, what kind of wildlife work are you doing there? And, and as we know, we, we care about wildlife all across the, the landscape, right? It's not, it's not an Abbotsford thing. It's not a Victoria thing. It's, and really it's not a BC thing, you know, that's kind of what we're focusing. And I don't know, this is just really exciting when we get, uh, an opportunity to collaborate with uh, an organization like Abbotsford that has such a, uh, a strong vision and they really want to do things and, and see uh, members like yourself that really want to step up and make a difference. It's really exciting. And I think that the cool thing, what we're doing here is we're working together and um, you know, one of the projects, and we're going to talk about it in a minute here, this uh, Fraser, Fraser river project, there's been a bunch of uh, organizations really, really keen on this and a few that have taken a big, um, a big investment in uh, wildlife conservation. So really, really exciting to me, the collaborative aspect of it, Ian. Well, like you, when you talk about collaboration, I think, uh, 
you know, another thing that comes to mind is just is just the network that we have, right? And and how we how we become introduced to certain organizations and how, you know, somebody knows somebody and then you're introduced to another organization. And you know, I was actually, you know, I never hunted sheep. I was actually, you know, I was an island boy who did a little bit of blacktail hunting with my uncle. My dad wasn't a hunter. And it wasn't until I met my wife, my wife now in, in university and her dad was a big moose deer hunter up out of Williams Lake. And, you know, he introduced me to hunting, but I was basically a road hunter and, you know, just drove around and that's what I thought hunting was. And then, uh, you know, I became friends with uh, a guy named Bill Jex, which I think all of you in Wild Sheep are, are well aware of uh, how amazing he is. And, and we, we hit it off right away and became very good friends. And uh, he actually took me on my first sheep hunt. So um, we uh, we went up uh, off of Williston Lake, actually, for a sheep hunt up there and uh, for that, uh, that Dunleavy herd. And we saw some sheep and we saw some grizzly bears and he thought I was going to die because I got, you know, <laughs> had an incident with a grizzly bear and he was wondering which piece of me he was going to bring back to my wife. But uh, we've been super good friends ever since. And, and um, you know, through his passion, it's really ignited my passion in, in, in wild sheep. But once again, it wasn't, uh, you know, it was through through a connection actually Dennis Cabana who's a you know he he does a lot of volunteer work for wild sheep he was my countertop guy at one of my construction sites and he's like hey like you're totally into hunting you got to come to this wild sheep convention it is the best time ever and uh so Dennis invited me and uh, that was about 5 years ago and here we are today you know, so through that connection and those networks and stuff, like you never know where you're going to end up and how you're going to interconnect, but like it just takes a spark to start a fire. Right. And uh, that's kind of where, you know, now my passion is, and I am still in the lesson one club after probably about eight sheep hunts and it's not for lack of trying, but there's still a lot of passion there to, uh, to put more sheep back on the mountain for sure. Yeah, there's so many things I want to unpack there with you, and um, you know, the lesson one club, and and there's that old saying, Steve. What is it uh, about the first time? The first, first time you go on a sheep hunt? Yeah, you're uh, th- the first sheep hunt you go on is when you're the sheep you're going to kill is born. So, so eight nine years, eight nine years to of of. So what you're saying, Steve, open. is good chance next year or the year after I might. You're doing, buddy. Absolutely. <laughs> you're 100%. Hey, if you wait a couple more years, you could get a twelve year old. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I can honestly say I have passed on a couple younger rams. Um, I'm, I'm, I've never been one who says I need six sheep on my wall. Um, and that's not really a, it's all about. Uh, so for me, one would be plenty. And uh, so I'm looking for that special ram. Um, you know, You're here, I've also friend. done some hunting along you know, the Fraser was out poking around there at the end of the season, right? And saw some really beautiful rams. But, you know, it's it's just awesome seeing them. They're just such a majestic animal. And, uh, yeah, I just they, – they also live in places that I just love to go where other people aren't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. You know, I think that's the allure of sheep hunting for a lot of people. It's it's not so much about harvesting that ram, although that's obviously part of it, but it's being in those places, being in that part of the world, uh, seeing them in their natural habitat and what they do and how they how they operate. It's just uh yeah, for me that's the reward. Now I I've been lucky too. I've I've had the opportunity to 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 put uh, a couple of rams to bed and um but just being out there and seeing them, uh, if I never, ever get another Ram, I'm, I can, I'll die a happy man for sure. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll feel complete. Um, totally with you on that. So you just mentioned two other things that I want to talk about. So here you are, you guys are out there, uh, putting money back on the landscape for wildlife and wild sheep. And interesting enough, wild sheep society, BC had a project in that Williston herd and the Dunleavy herd. So where you were hunting. So, Um, you know, and and that's the interesting thing. And that's what I love about what we do and what our members do and, and members in in Abbotsford and is they're putting, they're putting money on the ground and then, but they're all, they're out there using that, 
the landscape, right? They're, they're using it and they're putting it back. And I love that's what we do as hunters. Um, you know, I think hunters as a general rule have a very strong conservation ethic and we're really keen on on making sure that we give back and we're doing our part to make sure that that stays there, right? And I think there's that disconnect where, you know, the the general public doesn't quite understand. They think we're putting animals on the landscape so that we can kill them. Um, and that's so far from the truth, as we know. We just uh, we want to see that we want to see the animals there, right? And yeah, sure, maybe we want to harvest one occasionally, um, but it's not about taking them off. It's about putting them on. That's the important part for I think the bulk of our community. I, I don't know how you guys see that, but. Well, I think that is the most important thing to us is like, I want to, I want to see all the herds come back to their original, you know, their original populations. Right. And like I said before, I think, I think, uh, you know, we as humans uh, have created uh, most of the reasons of why all of these animals uh, populations, whether it's mule deer, like we're involved in the Southern Interior Mule Deer Project. I've got a, a conference call tomorrow night with the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance. But like you see all of these different animals, wild sheep, you know, we're talking today and all the populations have, have in various areas died off and it, it's because of human impact. And so, um, for me, you know, we need to own that. You know, my, my construction company has three things that we talk about. We talk about own it, crush it, and love it, right? And it's like we need to own the fact that we've created a problem here and we need to become up, we need to be solution oriented and come up with solutions, right? So, like, you know, I was, I was listening to your, your guys' uh, conversation there with Joe Pell the other day, right? And like to, to just hear, like, what's happening with the first couple years of the Fraser river project and what Chris Proctor's seeing in regards to the lamb survivals and stuff, because of the stuff we're doing there, like that is exciting stuff. And that's showing that the science behind what Chris thought would work is working. Right. And that's, that's really exciting to me to see that that's that, you know, we are making a profound impact and these dollars are, are, uh, you know, are making an impact. Absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, so I guess let's, let's go there now since we're there. Um, Abbotsford Fishing Game uh, has made a commitment to uh, partner on a project projects with the Wild Sheep Society BC. Um, and one of those projects is our Fraser River Bighorn Sheep Project to basically, um, for our listeners, uh, there's back in the pre 1990, there was uh, couple thousand 24 2500 sheep on the uh, on the Fraser in the area that we're working on and there was a, a disease event it's tied to movi uh, it's been confirmed that it was mycoplasma ovi pneumonia that was the uh, the cause of it um, there's it's highly prevalent across the landscape there and um, it's dropped to about 850 was the current numbers at the start of this project so um, back in uh, three years ago, uh, Wild Sheep Society BC was lucky enough to get involved with it. Chris Proctor is the lead on the project. He's a regional biologist in the area. And, um, you know, th they've they've done some work in Hell's Canyon down in the States. Um, and they've had some really good success with uh, uh, test and remove, it's called. It's a, they call it, it's a treatment is the nice word, but it's basically a call program where they go out in the field, they do, they capture all these sheep, uh, wild sheep, they test them. And if they're movie positive, they remove them. The premise is, is that, and I'm not a scientist. I want to back this up. So I'm going to do a, a really poor job of describing this. But um, my understanding is that uh, they, what happens is um, the ewes will have fresh lambs. And of course, the lamb's not infected at that point. But um, any, uh, of course, the lambs are highly social. Um, they hang out in these big nurseries. And then uh, movie gets spread across to all the lambs, and uh, of course, a healthy ewe can sustain movie. They'll they might die young or something like that, but they they're fine. They can they can function. Um, obviously, not well, but they can function. Quite often, predators will get them and a whole bunch of other stuff, but the lambs can't. So the lambs are fine for the first little bit, and then they're highly mobile. Um, they they're touching noses and then all of a sudden all these lambs spread movi around one of them gets it they're all going to get it effectively and uh, basically what happens is it wipes out 
the whole lamb recruit. So there's zero lamb recruitment. So the, uh, the premise is, is you go out, you, there's a herd, let's say there's 50 or a hundred ewes um, and whatever sheep are together, they test them all. And any that are movie positive, they unfortunately have to call them, remove them. But what they've seen is it's been very effective for lamb recruitment. So of course you're removing ewes that are sick, uh, but the following year, the lamb recruitment's through the roof. So now I'm going to back that up with a statement. And this is from, um, there's a big horn recovery plan. It's a nine-year plan that we started out with three years with the Wild Sheep Society BC involved. And um, because of the success, um, they've expanded it to nine years, um, a total of nine-year project with the uh, vision of doing the entire Fraser River ecosystem and bringing those 850 back up to 2,400. So um, I'm going to just share an excerpt uh, from one of our um, project overviews. And I quote, for two years prior to the selective removal effort, the treatment unit band of sheep were surveyed during fall lamb counts and zero lambs were observed with 42, approximately 42 adult use. During aerial lamb surveys, or sorry, during aerial lamb counts in November 2020, there were 20 lambs with 41 use, indicating a lamb ratio of 49 lambs per 100 use. Reports of healthy lambs from local landowners and ground count efforts by members of the Wild Sheep Society of BC have corroborated these findings. So if you're looking for a success story in conservation, uh, you're hard-pressed to find anything more exciting than that, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's, that's super exciting. I know, like, spent a bit of time along the Fraser there. I remember, like, my wife's from Williams Lake and we used to go out to the junction there out by Risky Creek and go and look at the sheep all the time. And, and then we'd go out there and we did some mule deer hunting out there. And then, you know, you go out four or five years later and then, you know, you see half the sheep and then you go out another few years later and you see, and now that herd's almost completely gone due to disease. Right. So it's, I think it's exciting that we can make this kind of impact uh, through these dollars and, not only not only can we help recover this herd, but I think then we can use this as an opportunity to transplant some of the you know once we build up this herd to be able to utilize it and transplant it to other areas that are struggling. Like for example, we're going to need to rebuild the Granby herd after after that terrible blue tongue disease that happened this year, right? So, um, and. The Fraser River is is one of the best uh, habitat and ecosystems for those sheep to live. So it's really exciting to see. Well, and the Fraser River ecosystem is renowned across western the Western United States and uh, North America, really, because there's been a number of transplants done throughout the Western U.S. of sheep from that ecosystem. There's been, um, as you know, uh, wild sheep in the early 1900s were uh, really struggling and right up through the 60s. And there's been a massive recovery um, of bighorns throughout North America. And it's because of the work of hunter conservationists. And a lot of those sheep came from those uh, that Fraser River ecosystem. So we've done a really, really, uh, we've done a solid by getting, you know, being a nursery effectively for for wild sheep and there's others too wild horse island is is an example they're they're taking sheep from there now as well but the, the biggest thing as you know ian is that we can't do anything because we have movi prevalent so you don't want to do a transplant with a sick sheep right you're not you, the worst thing you can do right? when there's a disease event aka covid you want to lock everyone down where they're where they're at, right? You don't want to right. be transporting them around the ecosystem. So, um, you know, that's the main issue right now. So we we haven't done transplants for years. I've, you know, fairly new to the wild sheep community, but we haven't done a transplant since I've been here. Um, and it's because of this disease stuff. So if we get disease sorted, then we get the rest of it sorted and we're laughing, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so the, um, the Fraser River uh, project, so it's a, uh, this is a massive project for the society. Um, the The total price tag on this, um, I think, to do the rest of the ecosystem is just shy of $1.2 million. So um, obviously, uh, this contribution from Abbotsford is absolutely uh, massive. And basically, what we're, we're trying to do is find funding partners for this. Um, in the past, we worked with the Wild Sheep Foundation. They've, they've uh, put a lot of money into the Fraser uh, and this project itself. 
Uh, I think the Wild Sheep Society BC, we put $90,000 in, just shy of 100000 in the first three years of the project. And basically, our goal through our funding partners is to put another roughly half million dollars into this project over the next six years. So it's a massive undertaking. Uh, it's by far the biggest project the society's ever been, but it's also one of the biggest projects that is going to have the biggest impact for wild sheep in British Columbia. It's absolutely massive. And it's interesting. We've had another of other organizations, uh, Wild Sheep Foundation Midwest chapter. Um, they've been involved for the first three years and we've gone back to the table with them and asked them if they want to support the next six years with us. So um, this is a really, really pivotal project that, um, you know, is really exciting. So one of the things that, you know, when we got together, Ian, of course, um, yourself was on the call and then we brought Bill in for some input, uh, Bill Jacks as well, Bill being the um, provincial wild sheep and mountain goat specialist. Did I get that right? I'm just off the top of my head. Um, and just kind of wanted Bill there to sort of, you know, you were obviously comfortable with Bill you know, having hunted with him, but also his technical expertise and, you know, his his scientific background was important as well. Uh, but one of the things we talked about was a collaboration, basically. You know, you guys are going to uh, – the the plan was you guys are going to commit $17,500 to this project. We're going to match it. And then what we're going to do is go out and ask our members to match it as well. So, right. um, so that's kind of the plan. And, and um, so this is uh, the month of November. Um, what we're doing is we're going to ask our members to contribute to this, um, this specific project um, with the goal of trying to fundraise. Uh, and, you know, what we'd like to do is do, um, three or even a four-way match we've actually talked to some other organizations as well to get involved in this so basically your dollar every dollar you're putting on the ground is going to be matched um twice that amount or three times total so um you put a hundred bucks in uh abbotsford's putting a hundred bucks in and the wild sheep society is putting a hundred bucks in so your hundred bucks is going to go put three hundred dollars on the ground i think it's pretty exciting yeah, and I think when we when we went into our putting our budget together for this past year in 2021, um, we had put forty thousand dollars into our budget for our uh, fish and wildlife conservation, and twenty thousand of it we wanted to do something like this. Right? We also talked about um, we also. Like we're quite active in in sponsoring uh, like CCFR, NFA and stuff and gun lobby groups in regards to, you know, protecting our rights as gun owners. And so we basically did that with them and we wanted to have some sort of fundraising effort that could be matched because that's how you make impact, right? You take $1 and you make it $5 or you make it $10 or whatever, right? So you know, when, when, uh, when we presented the $20,000 of which 17.5 is going to this Fraser River project, and then the other 2,500 is going to a Todd Lincoln project that Bill's got going on. Um, when you and I took that picture with the big check, like when I shared that on social media, like I challenged all the other rod gun clubs to get involved, right? Let's, let's not be passive, let's be active. And so I'd like to see that you know, the combination of the rest of the rod and gun clubs in the, in, in the, uh, in BC matches that 20,000. So I don't know if wild sheep wants to send a letter to every rod and gun club to challenge that out, or that comes from us and you collaboratively, but I'd like to see that happen. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of clubs that are, are like us, very progressive, very in good financial positions. And I'd like to see them put their money where their, where their mouth is. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we agree, obviously. And, uh, you know, anything that we can do, um, to further our footprint, like, you know, and we've, that's the one thing our board and our organization, the, the society has been very, uh, it's been very important to us is we don't want to do anything in isolation. We want to work together. Um, you know, we want to put, uh, resources on the ground and we know that if we do it on our own, you know, we can help certain things and do a little bit, but if we can all work together, you know, and I think that that, that's one of the things we moving forward, we're trying to communicate and trying to encourage is just, you know, the state of wildlife in British Columbia is, um, you know, it's, it's hard to be proud of it. Um, mm -hmm. to be honest, um, you know, I think that we can do a better job 
Uh, I look at other jurisdictions um, in other areas, certainly down south, and the number of resources that go to wildlife management. Um, you know, I really would love to see the government do it for us. Um, but, uh, you know, we've kind of seen where that's got us. And uh, I'm I'm hopeful with this new uh, wildlife management model in the province, Together for Wildlife, that things will change and there will be more resources. And, and certainly that all our hunter dues, at the very least, go to wildlife management. I'd love to see that. That would be a great starting point. But uh, it's woefully inadequate, as we know. And we just look at the funding. I, I don't know, Steve, if you can pull up those numbers in these other jurisdictions and share them with our um with our listeners, but if you look at what BC does per capita or just holistically numbers wise, we've got the most diverse population, I think in North America. Um, maybe there's Alaska can argue that they have something similar, but we have one of the most diverse populations in North America and we have one of the least, um, uh, the, the smallest budget um, going into it. So uh, it's a little disturbing to me. And so I see these other groups jumping in and wanting to get involved, I think that's what it's going to take in the province. And maybe through our leadership as conservation organizations, the government will start start getting on board and start doing a better job as well. Well, I know, I mean, I know for a fact that we have 18 huntable big game species over the counter and just quick, quick numbers. Oregon has a budget of 175 million with a land size of 255,000 square kilometers and BC is 945,000 square kilometers with a budget of $34 million. That's it. That's scary. It's scary. So yeah, I've got those numbers right here in front of me. And if I continue to read through them, it's just going to piss everybody off, but that might be a good thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, our government should be embarrassed really to hear stats like that. They should be embarrassed. I'm in, I'm embarrassed as, a British Columbian to hear that comparison. Um, you know, I, I had Jesse Zeman uh, reach out to me, I don't know, it's probably three, four months ago. Cause I, I had been looking for putting to put some money towards mule deer because a lot of our, our members at the club are very passionate mule deer hunters. And so Jesse contacted me and we got involved at the Southern interior, interior mule deer project. There was a need where, uh, so wildlife biologist Andrew Walker, working with Canadian Wildlife Capture and one of our one of our good members, Brad Siemens, they do a lot of work with uh, capturing and and then they uh, they ultrasound the pregnant does and stuff mm-hmm. and 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 then they collar the the neonates and stuff and it's a really cool project. And Andrew couldn't get funding for eleven thousand dollars from the government nope. to fix their ultrasound machine. Right. So they reached out to us and we cut a check for $11,000. But like, how embarrassing is that, that our government can't come up with $11,000 to like make a significant impact in, in a, a project that is showing results and science that is helping increase the mule deer population. It makes no sense to me. It's mind boggling. Well, our, our nearest neighbor in Washington I said we had 945,000 square kilometers. Washington has 184,000 square kilometers. 10 huntable big game species. They put $21 per person, it works out to, into wildlife. We put $7. (laughs) They put, well, we put $36 per square kilometers into wildlife. They put $831. How how are we supposed to compete? We don't. It's as you said. It's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the uh, wildlife populations reflect that. That you know, there's the, we're not spending the money. And um, you look at populations. There's certain populations that are are you know rebounding. They're seeing some uh, significant growth. They're doing well on the landscape um, because money's being spent on it, right? And it's uh, you know. Um, yeah, you can, you can do all you want, but if you don't have the money and the resources to do it, uh, Ian, an extension to your, um, your comment there about Andrew Walker and, and, uh, fixing that ultrasound, same sort of thing. Um, we had a, uh, situation in, um, uh, on the Fraser river again. And basically what happened is the, the regional bios and, and the, the scientific community needed what was called a bio meme. And what is basically a bio meme is basically a test kit to do an like on the spot uh, test for 
um, Movi is what they were testing for. And you could get a result within 20 minutes. So it was very effective. They had this helicopter, which is very expensive, out capturing these sheep. And they wanted these biomemes in the field and they didn't have a budget for it. So uh, Wild Sheep BC and Wild Sheep Foundation purchased two of them um, so that the, you know, the regional bios had the resources that they could, could do do the testing. So again, yeah, $10,000 and they didn't have a budget to do that. So it, yeah, it's scary. And, and one thing I do want to say is that we're not beating up on regional bios and the staff here. This is not a, this is not a regional bio issue. It's not a staff issue. It's a funding issue. And that comes from the top, right? That, that comes from our, our provincial government and the budgets they set for wildlife and, and wildlife management. So yeah, I just want to make sure that this is not a, an issue that we're picking on regional bios. This is this is a holistic issue. It's a system systemic issue that we have to address at the highest levels of government. Right. That's right. They, yeah, feel, they feel the same way we do. Right. Their 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 hands are tied. Hundred percent. I mean, my my wife my wife is a project manager for the BC Conservation Foundation, and she manages all kinds of fish and wildlife projects for the ministry. Right. And the constant feedback that she gets is that, that these guys are frustrated because of the resources they got and they're not enabled, not, not able to do their job properly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There just, that has to be a change. Um, you know, hopefully together for wildlife is the first step in that change. Um, you know, I, I know that there's a interest to do it, but the issue is where's the money and we, we got to find the money and that's, that's, uh, that's the issue. So, uh, scary. Um, okay. So let's, let's basically do an ask here, Ian. Basically what we're asking is our members, um, and the general public and, and members with Abbotsford as well, um, to, to see if we can do a match on this. Um, we're going to, We've got a significant budget that we are spending for this project this year for the Fraser River. Um, and I guess it's worth mentioning as well, Ian, that you guys total was $20,000 is your commitment um, to conservation projects. And we also had a uh, Region 6 project where you guys committed a further $2,500 as well. So really, our goal is to generate twenty thousand a $20,000 match from our the general public and the membership as well. Um, if we could for projects um, in this region six project and the, and the, uh, of course the Fraser river project as well. Um, do you want to just touch on that region six project as well, Ian? Yeah, well, that was uh, something that Bill brought up. They're doing a study, I think up on the Todd there and they're looking at, um, I think in enhancement. Uh, so they're doing some fertilization studies, I believe. Uh, to see how the uh, vegetation and stuff can affect the uh, the lamb survival rates and and health of the sheep up there. So that was one project that uh, I think Bill was they were starting this year and they needed some funding for. And then we had also been involved over the past I think three years in conjunction with Wild Sheep, where we we'd done a matching thing. Wild Sheep had matched with us on the Cassier Stone Sheep project as well, which I think is just in the midst of wrapping up right now. So, I mean, once again, right, we're Abbotsford, we're way down here in the bottom of the province and we're supporting stuff right at the very top of the province. But I I mean, uh, the important thing is that we're far reaching with our dollars and that we're strategic in regards to where we're putting our dollars based on need. Hearing the feedback from Bill, where is the money needed? You know, when when I came back from my, uh, once again, unsuccessful sheep hunt this year, uh, I stopped in and, and uh, you know, we sat around and had some rum with Bill, my 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 good hunting partner, Terry, and I. And we just sat and talked about, you know, conservation and projects and stuff. And I was saying to Bill, like, I've got to spend, I've got, I've got the rest of my budget to spend here this year. Like, you know, we got the Fraser River thing going on. Where else, where else, where, where do you think the dollars would be best spent? I wanted to know. Where could I make the greatest impact with the last $9,000? So he didn't answer right away. He said, let me think on it, right? So then he made some calls. And obviously, you know, Bill's very passionate about the goats too. So he hooked me up with uh, with Lee McDonald from the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance. And so we're having a conference call with him. And 
And, uh, you know, one of the guys down in the lower main line here, Jeff Agostino, he stepped up and is now on the board of the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance for Southern BC. So, and Darren Epp reached out to me, who's obviously a, a large supporter of wild sheep again, right? So there's all this collaborative and interconnectedness between, you know, whether you're a passionate mule deer hunter or sheep hunter or goat hunter, right? We all have one goal in mind, right? And that's to support our wildlife and, and make sure that, uh, make sure that they're not going to become extinct like the, uh, you know, the East coast cod did. Yeah. Well said for sure. And, you know, and I think that that's a worthy point you bring up is that the work that there's enough work in the province that we're doing is that this money is not being wasted. When we're putting money on the ground, we're actually doing some really valuable stuff. Um, you know, and you know, that's one thing that I think our members are concerned about and I'm really confident of, and that's why I put my own money towards it is that, um, the work we do is genuine conservation work. It's not some BS project or some silly little study. We're actually making a difference. And this Fraser River project is a classic example. We're actually seeing significant difference. We're seeing uh, a difference in wildlife populations. We're seeing them increase. And we've got a plan and a vision to make a, a, a very serious difference for wild sheep on the Fraser. This isn't, uh, you know, the goal is basically to to triple that number, right? And if you know, if we're anywhere near successful, even if it increases 20 or 30%, it's pretty darn successful. But man, if we see a 300% increase, it's just, it'll be staggering, right? So we're launching this campaign for November, this fund matching campaign. How are we going to, or what's going to be able to come out to our wild sheep members, to members of the Abbotsford Fishing Game Club? how we can share the this link or whatever through social media, through email, through all of our connections so that we can make the biggest impact here, Kyle. Yeah, well, that's for sure. You know, one of the things we're we're going to do on the uh, Wild Sheep Society BCN is if you if you want to donate, great. Um, you know, we're looking for support for this project. Obviously, we've got a bunch of uh, resources that we're putting towards this uh, through Wild Sheep. Um, for our, anyone that's interested in our Monarch membership program, um, any donations that we receive through the Monarch membership um, or through this, if you're a Monarch member, you're going to get credit for it. So yeah, you basically have to be a, an existing life member. Um, and if you want to donate through this, um, you're going to get recognition as a Monarch. So, you know, if you want to step up to the Monarch level and make a $1,500 donation, um, you're going to get a recognition. You can join our Monarch membership program. You get some really cool gifts that we, we hand out. We give a, away a, a Sitka jacket for our, our monarchs and then it just goes up from there and some really cool gifts that we honor so we are going to um, offer that through our monarch membership program so a real cool opportunity there but hey if you just want to support and as we know in every dollar counts right 50 bucks 100 bucks um, we've seen that through granby we did an outreach through our granby uh, land purchase um, which was a great project in uh, the grand forks area and I think our members put in $36,000, which we um, we matched as well, right? So um, it makes a huge difference. And, um, you know, 50 bucks or 100 bucks makes a, a difference on the landscape and really adds up. So, yeah, I'd love to see our members and, and anyone interested in supporting the Fraser River Project get involved. It'd be fantastic. Well, the, the one thing you and I've been talking offline about for a while, uh, and I don't know where it's at, but I know that that something that you've been working on in the background is we talked about corporate monarch memberships, mm -hmm. right? So instead of being an individual monarch member, you know, could we create corporate, like say Abbotsford Fishing Game Club, or, or let's say I own a business and I want to, I want to be donating my money to see it go to wildlife enhancement. Like, could I be a, a you know, a bronze, silver, gold monarch membership, and and how would that look? Because I think you know, when we talk about, you know, it's, it's not often what you know, but who, you know, right. Through, right. you know, you know, I know a lot of people, with a lot of money, you know, a lot of people, but, but like, if, if you can, if you can sell the vision and say, Oh, we've got this monarch membership and this is how the recognition would go and stuff. Like, I think there's definitely some untapped um, fundraising ability there. If we can figure out how to launch that program. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And we've actually had a lot of dialogue on this through our membership committee. Um, and I kind of want to sit down with you, Ian, because you guys have been such a great supporter 
Um, you guys have done so much for conservation on the landscape. You know, we've we've partnered with you guys now, like you said, for the last three years. Um, so I just want to have some dialogue on, with you guys and see what your vision is and what you think, you know, what works for you as a club, right? You know, um, certain things uh, for our Monarch membership is important to our membership, but uh, you as a club, it might have different, there might be different values or different things. So yeah, we're definitely going to work more on that and we'll work with you guys and, and building that out and what that looks like for sure. Um, okay, cool. Um, so we've kind of touched on the projects. Um, anything else to to hammer down on with regards to uh, to the the matching donations or the outreach or anything there? I think we've kind of covered all that off, haven't we, gents? Okay, so let's now segue and talk important stuff: hunting. So, what's going on, Ian? I think that you've uh, You've done some mule deer hunting this fall. I think somebody you know maybe killed this uh, a, a, a spike buck or something. I can't remember. It was a yeah. A, well, I mean, if you know, what do they say? Alpine mule deer hunting is a poor man's sheep hunt. Yeah. So, uh, one of my good friends, Steve Bailey, I don't know about 10, 12 years ago, introduced me to mule alpine mule deer hunting, and so that's that's actually my number one passion. Um, I get up into the Alpine all summer long. I've got some game cameras set up. I, I'm up there three or four times in the fall. So I've been up three times now. And if you can believe it, I've seen like three deer. It was so frustrating. Probably a week, a week before the season, uh, my wife and I went up there and we, I don't know, we must've seen a dozen bucks, probably three or four over you know, 170, 180. We're like, oh, this is going to be the best season ever. I went away on my sheep hunt, came back mid-September, took my wife up there, and we didn't see a deer. So a um, little bit frustrating. Fast forward three weeks, and uh, we went up to visit some friends in the in uh, Soyuz for the weekend and went out and did some, uh, if you can believe it, Kyle, we were actually going whitetail hunting. <laughs> so we're, we're going whitetail hunting and then we my buddy richard's like oh well we, if, if we go up this road he said i went in there whitetail hunting at the end of season last year and i saw the biggest mule deer buck i'd ever seen in my life and so we went up there did a little bit of quadding around and a little bit of hiking and i'm like said to my wife carrie man this sure looks like muley country not whitetail country and then sure enough we come around the corner on the quad I spot down in the bottom of this canyon, a really nice buck, and she took a crack at it, and and I helped back her up, and the rest is history. And yeah, it's I think it grosses over 175, so a really nice buck. It's her biggest to date. Um, she's like we have big game awards every year, and I think between my wife and I, the last 10 years, I think nine of them, the biggest muley bucks, either gone to my wife or me. So. <laughs> that's kind of our passion but and some of them haven't been very big but uh but uh yeah so it was really cool to see though she doesn't get out as much as me she's always been you know busy with the kids and stuff and allows me to go out and enjoy my passion so to be able to take her out and um and have her get such a beautiful beautiful animal was really cool to see for sure yeah and you, you love to see people that are putting back on the ground take once in a while too, right? It's nice to see that you you guys are out there and and enjoying the resources and, and then being able to, to you know sustainably remove uh, a species, take it home and enjoy it. And uh, yeah, pretty cool. And so congratulations to you. And yeah, you sent me that picture of you and your wife. I'm like, or your wife and that mule deer. I'm like, wow. I'm like, yeah, I need to I need to go hunt with Ian. I think so. Trade mule deer hunt for a sheep hunt. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you don't want to go sheep hunting with me i can tell you that right now my yeah, success rate is pretty low these last six years i i think they're going to grandfather me back to the less than one club it's been so long since i've got a sheep so oh, um, yeah i i definitely yeah if you're thinking going with me on a sheep hunt so i'm gonna get you something good luck my yeah. my success isn't very good these days so. yeah and then next next weekend i'm gonna get up and uh chase the mule deer uh Actually, if you can believe, so this actually is a sheep connection too. So I don't know, like 15 years ago, I got the Ashnola sheep draw. And cool. so I knew nothing about sheep hunting. I didn't have a sheep rifle. I had an old, you know, 12 pound Husqvarna 30 odd six. And so anyways, me and a buddy went in there and we hiked in there and we met this, I met this guy, Peter, 
uh, who also had the Ashnola sheep draw. And so second day into my hunt, long story short, my hunting partner, we had to return on a family emergency. So he had a once in a lifetime tag only to have to walk away from it. It was definitely tough, but at the same time, uh, I met Peter and now he's like one of my closest friends I've gone. He, so he invited me up to go. I, cause I'd never been whitetail hunting. He invited me up to go whitetail hunting. I was 15 years ago, had a great thing. And now like our family's become super close and I go hunting every year with him up there. And, and, uh, so it's interesting how, a bought sheep hunt turned into an amazing friendship, a lifelong friendship. And uh, yeah, we were pretty passionate about our mule deer hunting up there. So that's what I'm doing next weekend. And then uh, mid-November, I'm very excited to go out to Alberta to Wild West Outfitters. Um, I bought this hunt on the uh, Wild Sheep Society of BC auc- fundraising auction. So awesome i've i've never i've never treated myself to a guided hunt so this will be kind of the first time i've ever gone on a guided hunt so heading out for a four-day whitedale excursion with them so super super excited about that yeah that's going to be awesome man and uh what part of the province is that in are you do you know where it's at i, I think it's near medicine medicine hats where they're based out of so nice yeah yeah so sure. never never taken a big white tail so this will be exciting for me whether I get one or not, uh, I'm taking my video camera too. Cause like I said, I'm a muley nut and, uh, they have way more mule deer than whitetails there. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually my trophy will be just videoing some 200 inch mule deer. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think wild west, uh, outfitters, I think they've got guided the premier's uh, award winner for, uh, for mule deer. Like, I think they're the go-to, like if you're, if you're the, uh, you get a, a draw for the premier's tag or whatever they call yeah. it. I think it's called the premier's tag. Um, yeah. You can you can um, use whoever you want. I think most people go with Wild West Outfitters because they're um, they have that reputation for killing the biggest mule deer in the province. So yeah, well, I was talking to Jesse and he's like, yeah, his clients uh, are passing on 200 inch deer because they're repeat clients in the bow season looking for those 230s, 240s, right? And I'm like, passing on 200s? Are you kidding me? I've never hit, I'm not I'm not part of the 200 club yet. I, I aspire to be there, but it's tough to do in BC. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, good for you, man. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm actually taking off uh, tomorrow to go to Alberta. I've got, uh, I've got a draw for mule deer out there as well. So, um, but yeah, I'm not, not expecting a 230 inch mule deer, but Hey, you never know. So you never know. You'll settle for you a 210. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll be sharing some pictures. That's for sure. If I'm, if I get anything, I'm just looking for some meat. I've yeah. My success as a hunting as a hunter lately is not very good. I'm much better conservation as a conservationist. I think so. Um, but I, I mean, I think that's important to point out though. Like is, is it's, it's not a, you know, putting putting animals back on the landscape but like i'm i'm proud to say like i have not bought meat in a grocery store for 28 years wow right? that's amazing. so every year you know we eat you know bear moose elk deer lynx bobcat you know cougar whatever it is right so whatever we end up harvesting for the year um is what we eat that's what we've raised our family and our girls with and um yeah, there's there's no better meat. It's not full of, of hormones and stuff. It's purely organic, and uh, you know I think that's part of the reason why you know a lot of hunting and hunting families are, are quite healthy is because they're eating that that good uh, good organic meat that they harvest. And so um, that's that's one uh, like I'm not a trophy hunter. You know, it's nice when you do get a trophy, like you said, but uh, you know at the end of the day, I'm a meat hunter. And if I get a trophy, it's a bonus. Yeah. And it's interesting too, you know, and this is a total segue, but how many, um, you know, people that try and poke holes in hunting and, you know, you hear of people and there's a lot of hunting families like yourself, Ian, that they live strictly on wild meat. And I, I did as well growing up. Uh, but I guess I'm just not as good a hunter as my dad was. I don't now, right. We buy a lot of what, uh, meat, but uh, there's a lot of people like yourself that, and that story very rarely gets told. And the thing is, is a lot of people that don't tell that story are humble. They're, you know, they're like, they're the Ian Bairds of the world that 
they don't need to post it all over social media or Facebook, but that's what you live off of. That's your sustenance, right? So it's, uh, I love hearing those stories and I wish we, I wish we were, people could understand that people really rely on wild meat and they use it. And, and really in terms of sustainability and, and just ethically and everything that goes into harvesting that meat is just, is really how you want to eat meat. If you're going to eat meat, that's the way you should be doing it. Right. Well, and also, I mean, like we raised, uh, so I got two girls who are both off in university right now, but I mean, we raised them, you know, in hunting camp, like we had big family moose hunt every year that we used to go out on. I actually shot a moose with Sadie in the baby backpack with the earmuffs over her head when we were out, we were out, you know, and I called a moose in and stuff. And like, it's been part of like who are, what our girls were raised on. They've both harvested all kinds of different animals throughout the years. And, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, they're so busy in university right now that they don't really have time to do, but like you've created that foundation with your, with your kids where they understand where their meat came from and, and they understand what, what it means to take a life. Like, you know, when I remember when they, you know, took their first animal, right? Like we sit over it, we pray over it and we thank God for, for the, the abundance that he's provided for us. And, and it's just like, but for them to understand that they don't take that lightly and that it's a really big deal, but yet, you know, they're being provided for. And it was, it's really cool to see now as they become young adults and they're able to articulate what it means to be a hunter and a conservationist. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, that's, I, you know, again, we talk about our, our initiative, one campfire and what we try to do and just trying to share that message that, you know, just if, if the non-hunting community could hear just that two minute or one minute explanation that it means to you and your family, that's the essence of what we do. Right. And it's not about trophies. It's not about, yeah, we all have different motivations and yeah, we all have different things we do. And I'm sure you probably take those horns home and you keep them right. Well, you, you enter them into the contest, but really that's, that's neither here nor there. Right. It's, that has nothing to do with it. It's just such a, such a minor point in the grand scheme of things in terms of why we do it. And yeah, it's, it's such a hard story to tell. I just love, and that's a great way. The way you articulate it is perfect. That's exactly the message that I wish people, more people heard, but tough to do. So, um, cool. And, uh, so yeah, it sounds like you got a busy fall and I can't wait to, to hear about your trip and, uh, that's going to be a great, to hunt in Alberta that uh, great whitetails out there too and uh, you know have you, you you've hunted whitetail obviously on the coast or on uh, NBC here right I've, I've tried I've, I've gotten that like I said my buddy Peter who I uh, you know I go up every year we went up for whitetails last year and I think we got three whitetails but I got I, I actually saw a whitetail doe in four days of hunting and it wow. seemed like everybody else was shooting these nice bucks. And I don't know. It's just, I think Peter was like, Oh, Ian, you go over here. It's a really good spot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but no, I, I, I do hunt them almost every year. I've just never uh, been lucky in regards to harvesting anything uh, big, but used to go out to the Kootenays in the early season for, for archery elk and, um, and, you know, taking quite a few whitetails out there with my bow and stuff so you know love the archery hunting as well and uh man there's there's nothing better eating than a whitetail i think if you get them pre-rut <laughs> yeah well and you get out in alberta you get some of those uh farm bucks you know they're they're fattened up they're all marbled up and they're uh they're pretty darn good eating and, and they're big man like some of those alberta yeah. i've hunted northern alberta and just the the bucks that we've taken out there like literally 300 pound deer and you just you know, you'd have to shoot five deer on the out here to to get an equivalent, like you know, a little black tail or something. You know, doesn't compare. So it's you know, a couple of my buddies have seen pictures of them. They're just blown away, just the sheer size of the body of these things, right? So yeah, di yeah. different animals for sure out there, and just really healthy diet, and yeah, pretty cool. So uh, that'll be a fun trip for sure, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. Well, hey, we've taken a lot of your day here already, Ian. I know that we've been trying to fit this in between work and between you going hunting and everything. So I appreciate we're recording this on Halloween on Sunday. 
So I want to thank you for taking the time to make this fit. And I know you're going to chase uh, chase something tonight too. You got a hunt plan for three. So Black I don't want to get that. Yeah. Is that right, eh? So yeah. awesome, man. Uh, so good on you. I want to thank you for taking the time. And I just want to thank also uh, yourself and 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 all the individuals that were part of putting this together, of coming to Wild Sheep and this collaborative effort that we're going to do. Um, I think it's fantastic. I'm really excited about working with you guys. And, and thank you to your organization, to Abbotsford Fishing Game, uh, for having that conservation ethic. And it's, you know, you guys, I, I, um, I follow with the work that you guys do. I get your newsletter. And, you know, it's not just the conservation work, the advocacy work, the CCFR stuff that you're doing for uh, uh, gun owners' rights and trying to protect uh, opportunity there. So uh, good on you. You know, you guys are truly one of the leaders in the province when it comes to uh, – you know, looking after fish and wildlife, um, advocacy, you're doing all the right stuff. And it's just an honor to, to partner with you guys on this project. Well, and I, I, you know, I just want to reiterate how, how awesome it is to be involved in the wild sheep society of BC. And, and, you know, it didn't take me long to make a quick decision that I wanted to become a life member and put, put my money where my mouth is. Right. And, 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 you know, your leadership, Kyle, I think, you know, you now, you know, us making a decision to like move you into CEO and, and, uh, that's just really exciting to see, uh, you know, you provided great leadership as president. And now we're really excited to, I'm really excited to see where you, where you continue to take this and, and Steve, your involvement and, you know, this podcast is great. It's a great platform for reaching out to people and, uh, and educating them on on the fact that you know we're not just a bunch of old boys who like to kill stuff no we're we're actually a whole bunch of uh intelligent uh hard-working individuals who are incredibly passionate about putting uh putting animals back on the landscape and 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 raising funds to do that and, and showing our passion in that and and you know, I just like to shout out Ken, uh, Mark, and Steve, who are also on my uh, committee with the Fish and Wildlife Conservation at the Rod Gun Club. Uh, you know, three other like-minded individuals who are very passionate about this, and uh, I'm really excited to look at what what impact Abbotsford can do in the in the the coming years. Uh, we are going to continue to increase our budget for this, uh, if I have any say in this, because it's really important. Right on, man. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, for sure. And we were lucky enough to have Ken on the call when we met about this the first time and hearing Ken's concerns and his thoughts. And, um, you know, for sure, I, I, I'm very grateful for all the work that's been done with uh, Ken, Mark, Steve, and yourself. And, um, and yeah, for sure. Like, you know, that's the thing is the thing, a lot of wildlife it needs our help, right, in the province, right? And it's it's not just wild sheep, it's it's across the gamut. Wild sheep are certainly one of it, uh, one of the species. And I just think that, you know, this collaborative effort is just a big piece of what needs to be done. And it's just kind of the starting block. There's so much more that needs to be done, but it's the leadership through organizations like Abbotsford, like Wild Sheep, um, and, and a number of other clubs across the, uh, the province that stepping up and, and taking that leadership role um, and, and showing that we can make a difference. I think it's a big part of what we need to do. And I, you know, I'm just proud to be part of it, to be a, a, a small part of the moving piece in this, this bigger puzzle. And it's just really, really, really exciting. So, all right, with that, I'm going to let you go hunting. I'm going to, Steve and I are going to probably figure out, well, Steve's going to edit this podcast and I'd probably do something less exciting than that. So I got pumpkins, um, I got pumpkins to carve. Good. Well, you guys have a great rest of your Sunday and we'll keep in touch. Appreciate all you do, Ian, and uh, look forward to uh, moving forward this on this. And thank you again to Abbotsford Fish and Game and to yourself and uh, Mark, Ken, and Steve for all you've done to, to make this come together. Appreciate it. Have a great all day. All right. Peace out, boys.